This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We have been working through Thomas Watson's book, The Doctrine of Repentance, If you are looking to begin reading the Puritans, this would be a a pretty accessible list or book. Um, You do have to get past the list within the list, and as long as you can follow that type of structuring, it is a unique um, writing style. Sometimes the Puritans are accused uh, uh, of it. It's actually not a Puritan thing. It's actually a societal thing, so it just happened to be that the Puritans lived in an era Mm. in which this was the writing form. So it's not unique to the Puritans, but it is unique to the time frame in which the Puritans lived. This was a form of argumentation, and so it... um, is not necessarily we can't we can't fault the puritans for it um they just lived in an era where this is how you wrote and so people reading the puritans at this time period would not have struggled with it because this would have been commonplace this mm-hmm. would have been the writing of the day um it's kind of like every era has a, a a style um and this was the style so there's times where i have no idea what young people are saying today i'm <laughs> officially old and they'll right. say phraseologies and, and sentences, and I'm like, I think that's supposed to mean something, but I have no idea what it means. Mm-hmm. And sometimes as we go back in the past and try to read from a different era, we can have that same struggle. But if you were wanting to read the Puritans, I'm going to suggest Thomas Watson. Mm-hmm. All of that to circle back to our topic at hand, which is repentance, the whole idea behind talking about this for as long as we are is that when we are in relationship with God, unfortunately on this side of eternity, we will continue to sin. We still have a sin nature. That sin nature is part of us. Thankfully, with time as a uh, child of God, it should be continually be less and less that we die to that that we, so Christ might live, but it's still there. I was thinking about this term about repentance, and I was thinking how uh, we often think about repentance as the beginning of the Christian life, and uh, yet some people say, uh, "I don't know when I became a Christian." You know, I don't have that, and uh, you know, th- my question would be, "Are you still repenting?" Mm-hmm. You know, because it looks the same way as it did the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still uh, still a consciousness of of. Of sin before a holy God, and and turning from that sin with a commitment to pursue a life of uh, obedience to His will. So that's really where repentance takes us. You know, we you know we want to turn from our sin to serve the the true and living God. That's what in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, First Thessalonians. One nine, he talks about the kind of report that was being made about uh, the Thessalonians and how they turned to God from idols to serve and 
the living and true God and wait for his son from heaven. So there is this, you know, turning from that to something positive. It's turning from the negative to the positive uh, to serve the Lord. Watson is going to give six what he calls ingredients that need to be in place for it to be true repentance. So he'll talk about sight for sin, sorrow for sin, confession of sin, a shame for sin, a hatred for sin, and a turning from sin. Now, I think it there is a particular order in in some ways. You do need a sight for sin before, but I'm not sure if the rest necessarily have to be exactly in the order. I do mm-hmm. think the last one, the turning from sin, is the last one. I think the first one is sight for sin. I think all the ones, two, three, four, five, probably can be in any order. But today we're talking about a hatred for sin. And I asked Ryan off air if he just wants to open this up for <laughs> you, the listener. Sure, thanks. Uh, so he divides hatred for sin into two categories. There's a hatred for uh, or hatred of abominations and a hatred of enmity. And what he means by that is when we have a hatred for abominations, it's hatred for the sin itself. It's, it's not that we leave sin because we're afraid of the consequences but we leave sin because we actually hate the sin. We loathe it. And the other category, hatred of en- enmity, is deals with the consequences of sin, ultimately the separation that it creates between us and God. I mean, sin, when we sin on a human level, there's a separation that's, that's made on a human level. Uh, but the enmity that sin creates between us and God is is, is far greater. And so... When he talks about hatred for sin, he's talking about a, a growing hatred for the sin itself and the root of it, but then also in that separation that's being created between us and God himself. And if we just step back and talk about that first one, there are times when we can hate the consequence of a sin. We can hate just how the sin makes us feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's still different than hating the sin itself. Mm. Um, so I think sometimes people will say, well, you, you only hate the consequence. But in that also is all of the emotions, the feelings, the shame. And, and what I think Watson is saying is, no, it's not about any of that. It's about the sin itself. Mm. It's the sinfulness of sin that you hate. And Watson is going to say, give us six or five different ways in which true hatred of sin can be known. So it's the idea of how do we know if we actually hate the sin or not? And he's trying to give us these five helps. So I'm going to just allow you guys to take those five in whatever order that you want to, and then you can just develop anyone as you see fit. So Five ways in which hatred of sin can be known. I think it's a general disposition in which our spirit is set against sin. So, so it's not an active uh, pursuit of it. It's not an active entertaining of it. We have we don't tolerate it. Um, as soon as we recognize uh, that we've entered into a sinful practice or behavior or posture, we immediately turn from it. Walking through the steps um, of genuine repentance, but it's it, it's a genuine overall disposition against sin. It's not something that we entertain or are involved with. We don't dabble in it at all. 
you know, this disposition towards sin that Vinny's talking about, we can't reconcile it with um, the life of that we're called to live, and we can't say, "Well, I can, I can do this for a time." Uh, it is, it is, it is a. It's not something that we can uh, reconcile with the way we should live. Yep. Some sometimes it can be pretty easy to justify a sin, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and if you and I think what Thomas is. Watson is Thomas. Um, he and yeah. I are on first name basis. First name basis. <laughs> Tommy. Um, Tommy. Um, what he is saying <laughs> is that it's not really a hatred for sin if there is any toleration or justification. If we try to mm-hmm. to say it's okay because, mm-hmm. um, or I can engage in this, and then try to provide some justification or, or reconciliation mm-hmm. to use Watson's language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says it's uh, it's also implacable, is unable to be reconciled. So again, we don't flirt with it. It's, we can't have our mind changed. What is wrong is wrong is wrong is wrong for all people in all places at all times. And we're not going to be confused uh, or change our minds about it. He also talks about hatred for it being not just of the will, but also of the affections. Uh, so there can be a certain sense of hating something because we're determining we're willing not to do something, mm-hmm. but this hatred is actually our affections as well. It's from a changed heart that out of the heart, we actually hate what this sin is and the actual object of this sin. You think this is a, a picture of like Romans 7 and mm-hmm. Paul's wrestling with himself mm-hmm. and that new nature and mm-hmm. saying, man, I continue to do the things that I don't want to do and I hate it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to just go in a direction that I, I Promise, I'm eventually going to get back to where we are. So just <laughs> go tr- on a road trip. Trust Bingo. the journey, but all of us are confessional. Um, some of us are three forms of unity guys. Some of us are Westminster Standard guys. <laughs> I, I used to be in the Westminster Standard <laughs> tradition, as did Jonathan. So I, I think I'm we both, can say we can, we can we can okay, embrace them. Um, but one of the the <clears throat> things that both of the confessional um, um, strands will do is deal with the Ten Commandments. Mm. And in both traditions, as they're dealing with each of the Ten Commandments, they use what is called the umbrella principle. It doesn't just deal with the, the, the massive sin at the top. It deals with all of the related sins that are underneath of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helpful because sometimes we can go through the commandments and say, well, I haven't stolen anything. Mm-hmm. But then when you begin to unpack it with the umbrella principle, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing so well. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes this whole idea of hatred with sin is that true hatred against sin is against sin in all of its forms, mm-hmm. not just the the big ugly ones, mm-hmm. but the the little baby ones that are underneath that kind of grow and develop into the, mm. the bigger bigger massive sins and um, and I have really found that both the the Heidelberg catechism but I would say especially the larger catechism is so so good with fleshing out well what does it mean mm-hmm. to keep quote unquote the the, the commandment and it, and they approach it with the idea that yes, there are these prohibitions. God says, "Thou shalt not." But in that, there are positive things yep. that He's also requiring us to do. It's and it all it's a good picture. It all fits under that umbrella. Right. So we uh, talk about three principles: the umbrella principle, 
the positive negative principle. So it, if it prohibits something, it also is a call to something positive. And then we talk about the internal external. Mm-hmm. That it's not just the external manifestation, it's what you talked about earlier. It's the will, it's the affections that are underneath of it. Mm -hmm. And hatred for sin involves all of of that, which is covered in in our confessional standards and our catechisms. Mm Mm-hmm. But did did it work? Did the the, the road trip get us back to actual so Watson or not? So well. I, you know? I'm still thinking about the confessions here. And I'm saying, <laughs> so you know, well, I'm, I'm you know um, the Westminster Shorter Catechism asks a, a question: What is repentance unto life? What does that look like? <laughs> and and it simply says repentance unto life is a saving grace whereby a sinner out of a true sense of his sin and an apprehension of the mercy of God. So not only do we have a sense of our sin, but we apprehend there's mercy in God. And an apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ does with grief and hatred of his sin turn from it to God with a full purpose of an endeavoring for a new obedience. Mm. And I think, uh, too, as we consider this hatred for sin, and we've mentioned the confessions, you know, it can be something, you know, where some people might be tempted to put it in like a little list mm-hmm. of uh, checking things off. Well, I haven't done that, I haven't done that, or I've done this, done this. Uh, but in, they are trying to be exhaustive, especially the larger catechism, mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. to be exhaustive in everything. And you can read that and think, there is absolutely no hope for me to keep these commands. And I think, you know, Vinny, you mentioned Romans 7, and I think that's where this hatred for sin needs to lead us, where in dealing with this battle, Paul cries out, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And just added to that, Robert Murray McShane said, for every look at our sin, we need to take 10 looks at the Savior. Amen. And that's a great place to end. We'll see you next time.